The Tumbling Saber Podcast is a proud member of the Star Wars Commonwealth Podcast Network. Connect with us on Twitter and Facebook. Subscribe to our shows on Apple Podcasts. Visit our base at StarWarsCommonwealth.com and take your first steps into a larger world. Everybody, welcome back. It's time for another episode of the Tumbling Saber Podcast. I'm Kyle. I'm Corey. Week number two of the lockdown, the big lockdown, the big global lockdown. Corey, how's it going? Well, you know, it's even darker times this <laughs> this week, Kyle. Even darker. Does it get darker? It can, and it probably will, to be honest. Oh, for sure. Absolutely. We got to stay po- positive. Stay positive. Stay the course. Stay the course. Hold fast. Absolutely. Stay the course. It's going to get better or get worse before it gets better, but it will get better in in time. Uh, how you been? I'm telling you, uh, I've been all right. To be honest, in all honesty, I mean, we just had a new baby. Our lives have been, we try to make them as quiet as possible recently. You know, it's been the winter months. I mean, we've gotten out there. We've done things. We like seeing people too. And it is starting to get to me a little, to be honest, but uh, it's pretty much normal normal things going on around here you know we're just doing our thing i mean we're outside all day just playing sports and stuff me and my son just trying to keep keep our distance from other other people pedestrians enemies filthy people yeah that's true it's like now you walk around everywhere whatever you do whatever you touch you're you're conscious of it i mean i had to go shopping get some supplies this week i'm not even touching the shopping cart even though i came into the place they got people there they got security uh, people there to wash your hands, okay, no problem. P- uh, security doing uh, head counts, you know. And I'm like just steering my shopping cart with my wrists, <laughs> you know. And it's like everything you touch, uh, the microwave uh, at work, you know, or uh, all these door handles, everything. It's like you're so much more conscious of it now. And I have to say sh- shopping was quite eerie from a certain point of view uh, in the sense that, yes, there were, there were people out there. I wouldn't say any. I didn't see any of the stockpiling stuff. Yes, I heard all about it, and you know, I, I wasn't out there at those times, and I didn't really need to stockpile. <laughs> but no, uh, don't stockpile. Don't any, any, everybody don't stockpile. Yeah, it's it's, it's just we live in a society. <laughs> at least some stores are starting to pick up one of each item, whatever it is. But it was just so eerily quiet in the shopping or the grocery store, right? I mean, there's all kinds of people, and it was like. Again, uh, people avoiding eye contact almost, you know. Uh, I think people just want to get get their stuff and get out. Yeah. It was very disheartening in a way, you know. Just it's like, uh, no, sorry, guys. It's like you're my enemy for the time being. Well, no. That's, <laughs> we'll be friends th- again Again, soon. think of it in a good way. People are focused. People are cognizant of what's going on. And they're they're saying, I, you know what? I, I don't want to linger. I don't want to fool around. Let's just yeah, grab they, our they, things and get out of here. No, people are afraid. People are in fear, man. Yeah, yeah, and and with good reason. Things are getting pretty serious out there. It's uh, yeah, it's 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 getting scary. But again, you know, governments are putting plans in place slowly. <laughs> Some slower than others, but it's it's coming together. Uh, it's gonna again, it's gonna get worse before it gets better. But uh, you you know what? We we will never forget this particular time in our lives, the big shutdown. 
I mean, I'm, I'm going to be 40 this year and uh, next year. Never seen anything. No, it's this year. 2021, you turned 40. Oh, that's true. You're right. My next, my my next birthday. Whatever. <laughs> Either way, I've never seen anything like this in my life. You know? No, for sure, never. I mean, God. we we came close in the sense that we had this crazy ice storm here in Quebec, where uh, no power for two weeks, no electricity two weeks. I mean, that in the winter, that yeah, that crazy. was crazy. In the middle of winter, yeah, in the middle of January, um, you know, army came in. We we were fine. We had a wood stove and whatnot, and lots of food and. But that, uh, that that was crazy. That was something I'll never forget. And this is uh, this is this is different, though. Very different. Yeah, this is on a global scale, and it's scary. Just from a financial standpoint and an economic standpoint within yeah, the, the world. That, that in the backdrop, right? Like you're you you you're fearful every day of of, of losing your job. You know, yeah. money is not flowing the same way, and people aren't aren't buying. And man, if you're not if people aren't buying. Companies aren't raking in cash. They're not going to pay out cash. So, you know, and, and a well, lot of people have buying, already felt it. They're buying toilet paper and Lysol and, you know, wipes and stuff like that. But, yeah, I mean, DVDs and stuff like that, toys, yeah, not so like much. Yeah, all, all the stuff that, like, my company sells, headphones, speakers, like, cool gadgets. That stuff's kind of falling down the priority list right now. So, you know, it's 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 definitely time to be a little bit nervous. But, you know... What are you going to well, do? Granted, <laughs> we're, hopefully we're, again. we're all in this. We're all in the same boat. Exactly. And, you know, everybody's well aware of that. And there's been many, uh, what do you call it? Like as some kind of stimulus package, supposedly the government's on top of it. And they're, they're saying, you know, no one's going to go unfed and no one's going to lose their homes. Yeah. Yeah. Anyway. And hopefully that anyway, is the case. You know? Let's let's not fall down this rabbit hole. Let's let's keep it light. Let's keep it fun. Let's keep it to Star Wars, man. Um, Star Wars. Let's do this positive. Did did you manage to add anything to the collection this week? I did. I did. You did. I did. <laughs> Amidst all times, this, I... you still you still found time to make to make an addition. Yeah, it's actually uh, this morning. Thankfully, I mean, it's one of the guys in uh, our Star Wars Canada Black Series Facebook group. Uh, he had posted something on Thursday. It was I mean, liquidating his whole. Uh, collection, you know, and uh, really good prices, and you know, there were three or four articles I was interested in, so I sent him a message, and you know, a lot of people were uh, messaging him or commenting on his thing, like, "Hey, you're not answering. I can't send you a message." Blah blah blah. Like, I'd sent him a message Thursday evening when I saw the list, and I was like, "Okay, give me best best bin Leia. I, I need a better looking Zuvio. Uh, give me the clothes sergeant commander." You need wait, wait, wait. A better looking Zuvio. You're looking well, to upgrade your Zuvio? Well, see, the thing is, Mima, Mima, Mima went out and got me a, a Zuvio, okay, at one point. But I mean, the box, it really looks like someone jumped on the box <laughs> repeatedly. Oh, so just open it. Just be an opener for Zuvio. Yeah, well, then I'll get, I'll have one Zuvio opened <laughs> oh, and God. one Zuvio in a nicer box. I mean, he was asking like 15 bucks. In box, like, yeah, kind of worth it when you start adding other things and you can kind of maybe haggle a bit. So again, there, there was multiple items I was interested in. But anyway, uh, we, he got back to me this morning saying, clone sergeants, all that's left. And I was like, okay, well, that's uh, that was one I was most interested in. Aside from Bespin Leia, he had that as well for uh, like 25 bucks. I was like, oh. Yeah, it's the only, I, I didn't, didn't, I never got 
Hoth Leia Black Series, but I did get Bespin. See, I'm I'm the other way. I got Hoth, not Bespin. I'll trade you. <laughs> straight up, straight up. Actually, I'm, no, I'm going to nix that deal. I take it back because I'm going to get Hoth Leia as part of the 40th anniversary set for Empire. There you go. I'm taken care of. I'm good. <laughs> so what? So a clone commander, six inch. Yep. Or clone sergeant, you said. Yeah, clone sergeant. That's it. That's the one. That's in what the orange line or the blue line? I think it's the blue line. Cool. It's uh, yeah, it's cool, man. I mean, getting up there in the black series, you know, just slowly, slowly chipping away at it. Again, I don't think I'm going to get everyone, but. I like the clones. I like. I would like to have a nice representation of them, which you know, it's, I'm getting up there with them. Got a nice little lineup of clones and Mandos as well at this point. So it's nice. One day, you know, one day, one day. <laughs> well, I almost took a trip down uh, Tim from the Nerd Room Avenue because recently he had unboxed all of his, and now that I'm working from home, I find myself with a little bit of extra time. And so last week, I was a little, you know, it was a slower day. So I, you know, I, I have my little office set up in the same room where I store all my all my Star Wars collectibles. So I just rolled the chair back, pulled out a couple boxes, and found my Black Series box. And I'm like, none of these are minty fresh. There's no point in keeping them in box. Why don't I open them? Uh, but I didn't. I hadn't. I, had, I didn't cross the bridge yet. But uh, I, I have to take a look at those, man. Weren't you getting rid of those at one point? Yeah, well, I was yeah, I was getting close to uh divesting myself of all black series, which I still might do. Like I still don't know. Like that and that's part of the reason why I didn't just go ahead and just start cracking them all open is because I'm like, ah, maybe I'll start selling these off. I you know, they're sitting in a closet. Like why do I have these? But by all means, Corey, if you want to take a look to see if there's anything you need or something you want doubles of as an opener, come take a look. When when coronavirus is dead. I'm in your basement right now. Oh, God. That's that smell. The call is coming from the house. <laughs> Creep. Yeah, I don't have the... Oh, what are you wearing? <laughs> I don't have the Sith Disturbers uh, security system set up right now. Ah, well, what are you going to do? Yeah, you just got biohazard suits, uh, signs outside your house. Well, so yeah, so nothing for me in the collection, obviously. It's been a uh, well, you know, we're we're all kind of on lockdown. I don't know when I'll be adding anything, and that's you know, I could expect the 40th anniversary stuff to come in some point in April, I think. And it's it's I have it pre-ordered. It should show up at my door. Who knows if Hasbro will actually deliver on time now? I I don't know if they've made any announcement that things could be delayed, but would you be shocked? No. So I'm not counting on any of this 40th anniversary stuff showing up on schedule. So it might be quite a while before I have anything new to add to my collection. Although it is my birthday this week, as this actually as as this podcast hits the uh, the main feed <clears throat> Tuesday the 24th, that is my birthday. So uh, maybe, maybe maybe I'll get something that day. Maybe somebody will. I.e. my wife, who will be the only person I see that day, uh, will have something Star Wars shaped for me. For I know birthday. what she got you. Oh, you do, do you? I do. Oh. I do. I, I just got to wait. I got to wait, you know, another 36 hours or so. I'll, I'll, I'll come I'll come drop off your gift, Kyle. 
I got a nice little gift for you. I'll come drop it off at your door. I'll, I'll stay outside. You can open it at the window. <laughs> we can wave to each other. Light a cake or a candle. Light a cake in the rain. It's supposed to rain all day Tuesday. <laughs> oh, we can't. We, 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 we can't get this present wet, Kyle. It's very, very important. Be like something special. out of some Woody Allen version of The Notebook. Yeah. <laughs> Happy birthday, bro. It's raining of sparkler candles. Yeah, that'd be yeah, that'd be weird. Oh boy. Anyway, okay. Collecting updates. I'll tell you one thing though. My 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 son's not gonna be with me that day, and he's gonna be muddy upset that uh, he's not gonna get a chance to see you. You know. Yeah, I mean everybody's kind of upset, right? Like we had our 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 boys had birthdays a couple weeks ago. We couldn't do anything. You know, it's, it's yeah, it a, sucks. My 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 son hasn't seen my parents for his birthday yet. It's unfortunate, man. Right, and we got to keep those two old buzzards safe, so we can't see them for a while. Like I had to go see them yesterday because they had possession of my children <laughs> for a few days, because I, I you know I wasn't sure I was going to be working from home, and so I, we had to. My wife and I had to find a place to put them, and so they spent the week with their grandparents on both sides of the family. So. Uh, I had to go retrieve them this past weekend. Not, I, you know, I, I, I barely set foot in the front door. They wanted me to stay for dinner. I was like, guys, come on. No. <laughs> I'd love to. And you can make the case that since I'm here, it may as well stay. But no, I tried to do the responsible thing. Just grab the kids, grab the luggage, get out. I don't think they agreed. But hey, what are you going to do? Hopefully this blows over and we can all get together again soon. Anyway, let's move on. Um... News of the week, Corey. News. Got the news. It's pretty god dang exciting, if I do say so myself. Uh, slash film reporting Rosario Dawson cast as Ahsoka for Mandalorian Season 2. What? I didn't hear anything about this. <laughs> Where have you been? I'm joking. Of course I heard this. <laughs> v- Variety also reported it. So it's uh, yeah, lending they, some gravitas. They backed up the story. Uh, the one for me that really sort of cemented it as true because I'm ready to like just at first I was like no no don't do this to me this is the rumor I can't handle like Ahsoka is one of my favorite characters in Star Wars anybody listening knows that she's a top five for me don't you can't mess with me with this and so I was ready to just sort of blow this away but Slash Film is pretty reputable and so I, I wanted to it was I was like ah oh, god damn like I want to believe this right away Right away, I want to believe this. Um, so I, I, I kind of said, oh, whatever, I got to wait for official confirmation. And then Clayton Sandell of ABC, which is owned by Disney. This one shocked me. He came out and said that, yes, uh, Ahsoka is in season two, but he, he could not confirm that, that it was Rosario Dawson. But one way or the other, Ahsoka seems to be coming in Mandalorian season two. Like, how exciting is that for you, Corey? out of this world man i mean it's a ahsoka first i want to clear this up as well like original rumor i mean we've heard about this for a while that not necessarily should be in the mandalorian but a live action uh casting but i believe gina torres was up there for a bit as well no you remember I that never heard that as ahsoka it's possible but i mean she was, I think it was uh, more a fan thing like a the fans getting behind her and doing it what was the but name it, of the voice she did in rebels like Sabine's old friend. I forget the name. Uh, Ketsuo. Ketsuo Yonyo. Yeah. 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 That's it. Um, no, I don't remember ever, her ever being linked to Ahsoka. I mean, it's it's possible. 
either way, it's a great casting choice if that is the case. And she wants to do it, it, right? Yeah, she's she has she's, said before she wants to do it. Yeah, she's been verbal about it. But I mean, who who else at this point? When you look at the time period of Star Wars, like where they are at that time, who if you're gonna bring in a big heavy gun character, who better? than to bring Ahsoka into this at this point in time. For sure. I mean, Ahsoka, I mean, that's one of the characters that a lot of people can't get enough of. And every time she shows up in something now, it's like, it means that business is getting, is about to pick up. Like when she showed up in Rebels at the end of season one, and especially at the beginning of season two, like heavy stuff is happening when she's around. And yeah, every time she time. did show up, it was a big deal. Like uh, Twilight of the Apprentice was among the best Star Wars ever, at least for me, for my money. Uh, yeah, couldn't I could not disagree with you there. Uh, World Between Worlds, which you know I I don't like as a concept, but if anyone's going to guide me through it, I, I'd like it to be Ahsoka. <laughs> That's it. She's the one, man. She's the one with the staff and all that. She's so wise beyond her years at well, this point. Well, she didn't point. have a staff with World Between Worlds. That was, no, but that now was she epilogue, does. Epilogue Ahsoka. Yes, but Epilogue Ahsoka is pretty much right around this time period. And that's the thing. And that, that's where it starts to make even a little more sense. When you think Filoni had a big hand in making The Mandalorian. He's directing the last episode of The Mandalorian from what we gather. And Ahsoka's his girl, you know what I mean? It just be so good to say the least, and you you know that at this time period, Ahsoka came for Sabine. I think it would maybe be about a a year prior, a year or two prior, maybe. No. Well, the I'm epilogue. The epilogue of is Rebels is a is a year after Jedi. Oh, is it? I thought it was like two or three. I think it was one. I don't know. I. My memory's getting fuzzy now. It's 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 been a couple years, but I I thought it was like a year after Return of the Jedi, and like six years after the events of the finale of Rebels, like the main story. Or, okay, so yeah, no, either like, way, no, like four years. There, there's a chance. There's a chance that her uh, Sabine and Ahsoka are still together. Sabine's a Mandalorian, you know. Just the clues are there, and also like I I don't think. Just because it's Filoni and it's Ahsoka and Ahsoka's so hot right now. Like, you know, like you said, everybody loves her. There's not necessarily this thing about cramming her into the story. They can really make this work when you think about the aspects of the Darksaber being in the play now. And, you know, we got this Force-sensitive baby Yoda. Like it doesn't get any more important to the balance of the Force when you think about something like that, right? Like she – it's almost like her duty to get involved right now. Like if the Empire or the remnants of are to succeed in their task of whatever they wanted to do to this poor thing, you know, the ramifications would be really bad. So to have her come in and we have this this force character that's able to either either or kind of explain things as we move along and not only that, delve deeper into the force kind of, you know. Yeah, well, see, that's the thing. Like, my, I, I'm sure all of us who who are big Ahsoka fans, kind of get carried away with imagining where this could go. And I think, I think, where my thought ended was sort of like, 
same with Rebels. Like when she shows up, the danger is that the show could become about Ahsoka. Like it, she can easily overshadow the story. And that, you know, the, in Rebels, that came close to happening. Or, or maybe like the will of fandom wanted it to happen. It's like, no, get, give me, put more Ahsoka in this. And Filoni at the time was just like, no, this is actually Ezra's story and the, the, the ghost crew, Phoenix Squadron. That's this it. is their story. I, I think the same thing is going to be of this case too. They have a story to tell. They know the Mando and Baby Yoda are the main characters. Like they're not going to. Yeah, well, she the show is called The Mandalorian. It's about this guy. Well, it's the same thing like uh, Luke Skywalker in the sequel trilogy, right? You know, he could have stole the spotlight a lot more. But they, they know how to write these kind of things, I believe. And I think they'll also have that discussion and work it into it. But I think her role is – if she's coming back, like you said, Kyle, earlier, there's got to be a good reason. Yeah, for sure. I mean she's I'm sure she'll play a pivotal role. But I don't think she's going to be in – you know, if it's another eight episode season, I don't think she'll be in all eight episodes. I, I bet you she, I, you know, I wouldn't expect her to show up until like maybe episode seven and then be in, yeah. in episode eight full tilt before she leaves again. 100% agree with you there. And I mark my words. I mean, I screenshotted this just for posterity and I sent it to you earlier, but not, not a week ago, we saw the, the clipboard or whatever, you know, the, the cut thing. Yeah, the, that they the, used. the clapboard. The clapboard. Yeah, yeah this sorry. was like two weeks ago. So anyhow, we see these two koi fish, one black, one white, kind of like a yin-yang, push mm-hmm. and pull kind of thing on the clapboard. And on it just an, on kinda... an episode being directed by Filoni? Exactly. The last episode of the season, supposedly. And it, right away, it just reminded me of this image from uh, Avatar The Last Airbender. Yeah, the Siege of the North Arc. Yeah, and Filoni had directed that as well. Then it kind of got me thinking dark light and i was like okay the guy's got the dark saber what if ahsoka gets in as a cameo and has the lightsabers uh the white lightsabers right so and then you got sabine as well with the she's familiar with the dark saber she you know, had it Mandal- she had it oh she she had it but you know to to incorporate all those into what the Mandal for for the Mandalorian, you know, like his his future, like I don't know, it's it's just kind of mind blowing a bit. I think it could really work, man. It can, and think think about this for a sec. If you think of, of events ratcheting up with business picking up, you could have the Mandalorian teamed up with you know Grief Karga could be back. He probably would be, but he'd also be flanked by Cara Dune, and if Ahsoka's in in the picture. That's a big, de- a big deal. If Sabine is with her, even bigger deal. Oh, and Bo-Katan could be there too. Like Katie Sackhoff is heavily rumored to be in, in this. And she was so coy about it and so devilish about her involvement that I'd be shocked if she wasn't in it. You know what I mean? Yeah, that'd be cool. So I, I imagine, like imagine an episode, a finale, of, a season two finale that had... Mando with Ahsoka with Sabine with Bo-Katan with Cara Dune like imagine that for a second in your brain and just go wait a sec that's too big it is too big like you don't necessarily (laughs) like I could see Cara Dune being in this season she doesn't necessarily need to be in the finale same thing with Griff Karga as well no that's where I disagree I think that is their rightful place this is their show this is their time to shine 
Well, not necessarily. They got that time to shine in season one. It's the Mandalorian show. They don't have to tag along throughout. I mean, Griff Karg has made it clear that he wants to make a name for himself on that planet again. And then when the Mando's ready to come back and take bounties, he'll be here. Yeah, maybe. I mean, I, I, yeah, I'm, I'm less bullish on, on Grief Karga being that, being part of that, but definitely uh, Cara Dune, like, this is, this is her place to shine as well. Like, she's not, I don't think she should be shelved to bring back favorites. I think, you know, to be well, fair we'll to the we'll, character, it's, you know, put, we'll find out in episode on one. We'll, we'll find out episode one of season two, what they've decided to do since, you know, like, he's, he's a clan of two. Mm-hmm. It's definitely him and the baby, uh, the Mando and the baby, hundred percent. I don't know necessarily what, uh, like even even Griff Cargas kind of seemed to have offered uh, Cara Dune a job, more or less. Like maybe she'll be his security or something like that, you know. So when they they come in, they're a package deal, but they might not be in every episode. Yeah, so I, no, the, I don't think they'd be in every every episode. So by the end of the the season, he's moved on. He's in a deeper spot in the galaxy in his quest to get Baby Yoda home. And that's where uh, we've run into Ahsoka. And not only that, I think this is interesting too. I also quoted in that in that Facebook tweet there, whatever. <laughs> the Facebook tweet. Wow. <laughs> yeah, or whatever. Facebook comment that, you know, this Iger had mentioned possible spinoff characters coming off the Mandalorian and we talked about who could it be and we all kind of boiled it down to I mean Cara Dune was kind of the obvious answer but now when we look back now I think Ahsoka would be the main answer especially when you start considering someone like Rosario Dawson yeah like I can't imagine you get Rosario Dawson to show up for like uh, I guess they've gotten other big actors to show up once in the Mando so far like they've gotten uh, Ming-Na Wen for one episode thus far and a real brief cameo at that so I don't know maybe maybe she only shows up in one episode Rosario Dawson and, and that's it that's all she wrote but to, in my mind if you're doing if you're getting Rosario Dawson like it's got to be for a bigger deal right oh definitely so maybe maybe again maybe the, the, you know the parlance I remember Michelle talked about this on way back when and I think it was more in relation to the Cassian Andor show is like Ahsoka makes a lot of sense in that show with the whole whole fulcrum thing and Ahsoka being the full, first fulcrum, right? And and Michelle had even then said like that's a backdoor pilot. You get Ahsoka involved in in that show and then you spin out an Ahsoka show out of that. And we were like, ah, <laughs> that makes so much goddamn sense, and it it does. Yeah, for sure. And so maybe that's going to play out here because you can see Ahsoka, like she fits in, 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 in the three live action shows we know about Mando, Cassian Andor, Kenobi. Ahsoka fits in, in all of those. There's a role for her to play in each of those shows. Oh, it'd be cool. If she was like a through, a through line throughout, you know, it always leads back to Ahsoka. Now that she's has the key and is the master, in my opinion, of the world between worlds, like I think she's the only Jedi or Force user, she's not a Jedi, that um, has access to it or maybe even knows about it at this point, aside from Ezra. Maybe. So, again, I just hope it's, it's just buried deep important... and destroyed on Lothal. I hope we never see it again. Well, it's not. We know it's not. We know it's not? Yeah. Where does she go from Lothal? Where does she back, end up back on well, she goes back to uh, 
Malakor. Back to Malakor, sure. And then what? Do, where does she go from? From Malakor. I mean, how does she get off Malakor? No, like, do you remember those eight Filoni cards? Well, yeah, she goes down that river, right? It's not only a river. You see the portals and the wolves around these these doorways. It's another world between worlds from a Sith temple. Yeah, that's true. I remember that. So it seems like she's going to go ahead and do it again. But it's almost like she's there to meditate or watch over things so that maybe she can intervene at one point. I don't know. But she's almost like omnipotent and all-knowing in my opinion. Like when she comes and gets Sabine at the end of Rebels, she's different. She's changed. Oh, for sure. Yeah, that's a different character for sure. She's, yeah, it's no, like it's... Gandalf the Grey and White kind of is a good analogy. That's, and you keep that's, seeing – That's a... kind of what Filoni was going for. Yeah, man. So big things to come from her still. And then just think about like, you know, we just met. We're going to talk about Clone Wars later on in this episode, but we just got reintroduced to Ahsoka again after, after a good long while. She shows up in season two of Mando, hopefully. And she, you know, if if that rumor of the Ahsoka Sabine animated show, as a follow up to Rebels comes, that's that's another heavy dose of Ahsoka. And again, if she's if she's that if you got Rosario Dawson. No reason not to use her again in, in uh, Cassian Andor. Although, depending on the exact placement of the Cassian Andor show, uh, she'd be around. Yeah, she'd be yeah, kicking true. around. Same with Kenobi. She'd be kicking around. She, had, she I don't think by that yep. point she would got would have gotten lost uh, during Twilight of the Apprentice. So, yeah. Yeah, it makes sense. Ahsoka could be all over the place in the next couple of years. It'd be pretty awesome to oh make her God. that like kind of follow through character. You know what I mean? Well, here I'm getting ahead of myself again. Like, cause a lot of people like, I mean, people who like star Wars, like people who just got into the Mandalorian. If we get to the end of the season and we get that Boke 10 and Sabine and Ahsoka moment, those people are, might just be scratching their heads. You know um, what I mean, but keep scratching, buddy. I don't care. <laughs> Yeah, I agree, to be honest. Like some people, that's it. Like you, if you watch it in a watch party and some people are familiar but not that familiar, some people are going to just probably blow up. I'm going to pour one out for all the people scratching their heads real hard. Don't care. <laughs> <laughs> one for me, one for my homies. Well, you know, John, John Carlo Esposito, he talked about uh, recently, he's talking a, a bunch about this lightsaber action, how he's he's going to be using the, the dark saber in season two. And I, I don't know what kind of chops that character would have. Like, there's no reason to think he's like this master swordsman. Like, to me, he just has this thing and he uses it as a tool to cut himself out of, out of crashed TIE fighters and maybe uses it as a symbol of his power. I, I don't think, I, I don't think of him as some sort of expert swordsman do you no not at all i feel as if at this point i think what they're really trying to belay to us is you know we've heard about this mandalorian purge i think he probably was like the perpetrator or the orchestrator or whatever it is you know the guy the top dog that ends up getting the to the victor go to the spoils more or less yeah it sounds like he was the one with the dark like using the dark saber well, it seems like I, I feel like he defeated them and then took the dark saber from the culture because we know it was back in their possession at one point. 
you know, know after well, rebels. One of my first thoughts was like, oh, what if like, if, you know, if 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 um, Moff Gideon is is banging around with the, with the uh, dark saber, swinging that around and, and scaring the hell out of everybody with that, and Ahsoka shows up, that that could be epic. But I'm like, wait a sec. Ahsoka would clean his clock in about two seconds. So that's that doesn't sound very epic. I mean, it would be great, I'm sure, but it doesn't I mean, seem that, to fit what, the description of what Esposito's talking about. And more importantly, I wouldn't even say Ahsoka. I'd say more Sabine. Sabine, they, well, all Mandalorians must know the significance of this Darksaber, right? Oh, it's yeah, I'm sure Sabine potential. would go charging in there to take it right back from him, for sure. Like, But there's a... That that's where the show can take a really interesting turn as well, and it's gonna be like a double whammy in the sense that, you know, we have Baby Yoda. We have to have there has to be a conclusion there. Whatever's gonna happen happens. If he finds his home world, and we get this hidden world of Baby Yodas or Menches, whatever we're gonna end up calling them. You know, there's that, and there's also the fact we have this dark saber in play now, which has the power to unify Mandalorians again. And I really hope that that's the case. You know what I mean? If they're bringing this back, it should eventually land in either like again. Bo-Katan's already had it. She's had her turn. Well, I mean, she Sabine, she Sabine gave it to Bo-Katan, right? So for all intents so and purposes, Bo-Katan is the ruler of of Mandalore. She lost it. <laughs> Give it to the Mando. That it should be the Mando who unites the people again. You know what I mean? By the end of this whole thing, it sounds cheesy, but. Whatever it is, you know, and I'd love to see him just hold that thing up by the end of this and like people just clad in their Mandalorian armor like, yeah. yeah I don't know. I don't know about that. I'd, I'd rather go back to an actual Mandalorian. Well, he is a Mandalorian. By creed. He's not a, he's not a born and bred Mandalorian. You don't know what a Mandalorian is then, racist. <laughs> what I'm saying is I, I, I would rather see it like bo-katan recover that or or sabine like it seems like they have a more rightful claim to it than the mandalorian after everything he went through i don't know man they'd look it up to him and say this is the way yeah i don't know i don't know about that he probably wouldn't want it anyway he'd be too well, humble that, yeah and that too he'd be like nah, it's nice not my, not my deal but I would love for him because he's the only one fighting for their people. Look at all the what that last scene with the armorer, right? Like he's the only one left mm-hmm. from that division. Anyhow, we we don't know how many are left. Like they're 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 gone and out, man. And will they ever come back? You know, you take your helmet off, you let someone see you, you're done. You're done to the Mando religion at that point. Yeah, that's Whatever. the way they see it, right? Yeah, those were the hardcores. But then again, Sabine doesn't have that uh, restriction. She pops her helmet off whenever she feels like it. That's perfect, man. I think I hope that comes into conversation because like, I don't think they're going to hide Pedro Pascal's face forever. Yeah, I mean, I mean we got a glimpse of it once, right? Yeah. No, they, they probably wouldn't. Them back to infusion. Okay, so the way – maybe the way I, I think about it now is that towards the end of season two – I would sooner see Bo-Katan and or Sabine get get involved and recover the Darksaber. And by the end of it, Ahsoka takes Baby Yoda. Yeah, I like agree she with kind you of there. She st- steps in at the end. He's like, I, Mando's like, I got to get rid of this baby. It's I, I don't know. I can't keep this no, thing well, safe. And Ahsoka, then Ahsoka kind of steps in. 
I like disagree a, with you there. I think the the point of this show is him and their family, their clan of two. When the show ends, their relationship ends. Like if we get a third season, they're going to be still together. Yeah, that's true. But I feel like Ahsoka can help guide them there and explain things from a Force perspective as well. You know, she's a good character to have around when, you know, everybody's kind of clueless about what's going on because they have this crazy sensitive, uh, Force sensitive baby with them. And I think she can help kind of like be like not a narrator, but someone that's uh, there that's able to kind of explain it for the audience and the characters, right? Yeah, because I mean the armorer gave her side of the story where the Jedi were enemies of the Mandalorians, right? Yeah, that's and you a good could point. have you could have Ahsoka show up at some point and and tell the other side of that story. And also in the long run, like I'm not a Jedi. Yeah, yeah. She's like, listen, I'm, I'm not a Jedi, but I used to be one. And here's here's the actual deal, guys. So that, that could work too. Anyway, um, we got to save some of this magic for when we actually get the official news. So uh, let's 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 put this in the little prayer circle and hope that Ahsoka pans out. And then it's it's actually are you bothered by the Rosario Dawson thing and that it's not Ashley Eckstein? No, I mean I'd rather go more for um, physical appearance when it comes to that and acting chops, obviously. Yeah, I mean, she's got a great voice and all that. Her voice I, I is Ahsoka. Know. Like her voice is Ahsoka's personality. It's 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 her. But when it comes to live action, I, I just don't, don't I don't know if Ashley Eckstein has any live action acting chops. And I don't know that this is the place where we want to just step onto the job and take on that character as as like a rookie. I don't know that you want to do that. And I th- I think also a big part of it is that I don't want to say it like this, but I think a lot of fans are yearning for um, like an Ahsoka of color. You know what I mean? I don't think they want some blonde white girl like on in live action. Yeah, that could play into it too for sure. And I mean, and again, like if, if you're doing something big with Ahsoka, you know, going forward as, as she's going to show up in multiple epi- multiple different series, maybe even her own movie at some point, who knows where this goes, right? You need a star. And, you know, not to say that Rosario Dawson is like an A-list megastar, but she's a star. She's a, she's a heavy hitter. She's legit. She's a great actress. You would need that. You would need a real actor to fill those boots. Yeah, strong woman. So, yeah. I mean, again, I love Ashley Eckstein for all that she's done for the Ahsoka character. Everything. Her, her and Dave Filoni. But Fair's got nothing to do with it, right? No, I agree. And... Frankly, I I don't even see them doing like a Ray Park thing here. Ray Ray Park Sam Witwer thing, you know. Overdub the voice. Yeah. No. I mean, I don't it's possible, so. it's but possible, when yeah. you, like you said, I think you, I read you say something, uh, like you know, you're, you're getting Rosario Dawson. She she can I think she's a good enough actress that she can kind of uh, come through with a bit of Ashley Eckstein. You know what I mean? It's gonna and, and we're the gonna, tonality. We're gonna be, yeah, I mean, sure, but we're, you're gonna get live action Ahsoka and animated Ahsoka. It's gonna be two different characters. Well, the same character, but two embodiments of that character. Say la vie. That's the way it's gonna be. But don't get me wrong. I think Rosario Dawson is gonna study the tapes and take notes. If that is if the, if this is the case. Like, oh, for sure. Yeah. She's probably gonna have spend hours and hours with Ashley Eckstein. Yeah, I agree. Of getting into the head of the character, who the person who 
voiced the character for so long. Like, for sure. I mean, if this pans out, you know, there's, there's, this will be seamless. But yeah, you you got to get the the person who can do the live action acting, no questions asked. After my heart attack, cash from Active Care meant I had choices. When I had cancer. Cash from Active Care meant I didn't need to stress so much about money. What is Active Care? Active Care is a supplemental health insurance policy that offers protection for covered cancer, heart attack, or stroke, and a choice of cash benefit options from $10,000 to $60,000. If you're diagnosed with cancer, a heart attack, or stroke, you could end up paying thousands of dollars or more in out of pocket medical bills. Active Care gives you protection at an affordable price. So, get Active Care for cash, choice, and control. Active Care is brought to you by Colonial Penn Life Insurance Company and is underwritten by Washington National Insurance Company. Visit colonialpen.com for more information. This is a limited benefit policy. This policy has limitations and exclusions. For costs and complete details of coverage, visit colonialpen.com. All right, plowing ahead here. Let's let's dive into the Rise of Skywalker documentary. We got it. We were lucky enough to get our hands on that last week. Uh, what'd you think? I loved it, man. Like I've always, always been a big fan of documentaries. Ever since I was a kid, like no matter, well, yes, no matter what it was. But when you really like the subject matter, you know, it's it just it takes it over the top. So I, I was really. Well, thankful like, to get my hands the, the on love it. affair with like behind the scenes star wars stuff is sometimes as big as the actual in front of the screen star wars stuff yeah when you when you told me it was two hours long i was like holy cow like why am i gonna be able to slot this in almost because definitely yeah. i was watching it alone you know what i mean yeah it's one thing to uh you know to get whether it's your wife who's semi-interested in star wars or whatever like to say, oh, now let's watch it. You want to watch a documentary with me about it? Like, okay, you're pushing your luck. So, yeah, you got to sometimes choose your spots wisely where you're going to slot <laughs> that in. Yeah. Yeah, but I thought it was fantastic. Like, I yeah, thought it was, it was really well done. Like, it's, it's you know, I, I thought that the, uh, the director and the Jedi was something that you probably couldn't top in terms of, like, uh, a documentary. But, like, this is right up there for me. I love this. Yeah, I think they're very two different documentaries. Like, this one really kind of... Uh, did segments almost like bit by bit of whatever they were talking about but uh again yeah i liked it it was it was really long and informative and again when you look at it from these perspectives and you're watching it it can really give a whole new profound appreciation for the film no yeah no question because i mean People have all kinds of opinions on not not only any Star Wars movie, but this one in particular. But I think the thing that is undeniable, and I think probably helps a lot of people in some regards, is that you see the amount of care and love that went into the movie. And I think it makes it harder to... Uh, ah, Star Wars fans love, love dumping on people. I don't know. To me, it just seems like if you watch them and you see that how genuine they are in their love for the thing that they're doing, like why would you go after them? Yeah. You can, of course you can always critique the, the, the story choices and whatnot, but you have to know it, whatever they did, it came from a place of genuine love for the story, for the characters, for the franchise. Like nobody did anything here to, uh, to 
intentionally miss the point or intentionally anger people. Like they, they put their care into this. No, they, they definitely tried their best. I mean, even Chris Terrio had said it in it, like he's a fan before like anything. And he's very, very, very hard on himself. And I think they all were. And like you said, Kyle, the, the sheer amount of time, hard work and dedication, care, the attention to detail. It was, it's just incredible. It, it blew my mind. Like when you start talking about these different sets Oh, the and sets. Jeez. Are, are crazy, just, some of them. Just take this one for example. You get J-Dub. J-Dub has a cameo, which I gasped at when the first time I saw it. I caught it right away. Just boom. And, uh, you know, when they're talking about that and the amount of props and the care that went into what's surrounding him, it's 51 articles on his desk for the 51 Oscar nominations that he had all pertinent so cool. to the – the films that he had done. But not only that, when you start looking in the background, when they're showing this, I think the shot may have lasted God knows how long, maybe even seconds. And they have this vast amount of droids and pieces everywhere. Gribbly. Gribbly. <laughs> and, you know, they even had JJ robots, bad robot. Did you see that? Uh, yeah, I saw them mention it in the show. I never, I, I don't think I ever mentioned or saw it in the movie, but I definitely saw the mention of it. Well, I, I saw it in the documentary. Like I was like just lying there, like in a pile of robots, and just again, like I think they were talking about two months of people just making robots and stuff like that for this one scene. You're like, what? Back that up. You have the sheer amount of work, money involved in that. Yeah, is... like if if you're if you're looking like if you're there like a fly on the wall watching these things get made you probably ask yourself 10,000 times like do you really have to go to this level of detail like are are people watching on video really going to notice if you put on yet one more piece of like one more button or one more uh, slider or one more screw or rivet whatever like it's it's good it's good enough no it's not it's got we got we got to weather it a bit more we got but that it's a it's a tool that's gonna sit on a shelf in the, the background of a shot and it's gonna be blurry. No, it's gotta be right. And it's it's that kind of dedication to doing things right. It's like it's mind blowing. Like the the things that creators get wrapped up in. Like one of the things that speaks directly to that is like um, during the uh, the sequence when they were covering the uh, the festival of ancestors, right? And they're talking that about that was incredible, crazy, crazy the amount of work that they did in that uh, Jordanian desert. But the um the akiaki legs right like it it jj is having this like whole thing getting all involved in like the anatomy of the akiaki legs what they look like and it's like why are you getting all worked up on that like you could have just if you if if they had draped them all in robes so we never saw their legs period none of us ever would have said anything Instead, they go, so to right. this, they go to this huge uh, investment of I, energy to say, no, 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 these aliens, like, what if their legs looked like this and they were built this way and that way? It's crazy. It's There's so I much think I almost energy. Saw, I, I think I almost saw Kathleen Kennedy roll her eyes at that part of the documentary when JJ is talking about that because, like, she's seeing dollar signs. <laughs> you know what I mean? I mean, the, the budget's allotted, so it's, it's up to JJ to uh, figure oh, out where Christ. the money goes. Ooh. What was the budget? Do you know? I don't. 
Because I got to imagine it's Christ. around 20, uh, 250 or so, 225. Yeah, I guess, eh? Because, god damn, when you look at the, the extents of this, is another thing, big thing that stood out to me, huge thing, the lot, not only the sets, but the shooting on location. Mm-hmm. I think, you know, you're setting up a village for people to, the cast and crew to, you know, eat, sleep. Uh, be clean. <laughs> yeah, know? like well, again, specifically with the the uh, the desert sequences in Rise of Skywalker, they had to like build a village out in the desert, like building it like and weeks before the the you know the the people are there to shoot. There's tons of people like building like these uh, prefab buildings and and putting in plumbing and it's crazy. The investment on top of bu- on top of building the sets. And the yeah. costumes, for sure. And the, one of the things again that blew me away, like this the sinking sand field, like the sinking sand scene. Yeah, it's real. For sure. Yeah, those are all like little beans, At, like sand and beans. But still, it's like. But to see that how they built it, like they they brought in a backhoe and just dug out a huge trench out of the desert, and then dropped in a bunch of like shipping containers, cut holes in those containers. And then, like, had tubes so that the actors, when they actually film the scene, they actually slide down into these tubes and come out into the shipping container, safe and sound. It's it's nuts. It is nuts. Not only for for the actors, but like like you said, for the the sheer extensive uh, like undermanning of a project like that for a, a, a shot that takes all of a minute. Yeah, and. The, like, they could have CG'd that whole thing, right? Exactly. And and done it for a fraction of the expense. But no, it was important to them to do it practically and do it on set and get the get the feel and look of it right, the lighting, all that stuff. It was, my my jaw was on the floor. Not only this. that for the for for the actors as well, in the sense that it 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 must be quite jarring, and it was for all of them from a certain standpoint. They kind of said it wasn't necessarily comfortable going through that. You know, it's uh, yeah, a little panic-inducing. Yes, I could see that. So props to them, and again, props to the sheer amount of effort put in there. Absolutely. It, just, just this on-location shooting, especially uh, where they were. Christ, where were they again? Turkey. Uh, I thought it was was it Jordan. Yes, Jordan. Sorry, excuse me. Wadi Rum in Jordan. Yeah. So either way, just. Being there, uh, the actors themselves were able to kind of more immerse themselves in the role. And even on Kajimi as well, the amount – like again, they built like this village. Oh, the set was absolutely massive for that. Like they built the and, whole town of uh, Kajimi City. Yeah, <laughs> and it was crazy. kind of – it was based after some Kurosawa stuff. Mm-hmm. I believe they heard them say. Yep. Anyway, that, that was just, just beautiful – and um, what's her name? Zori Bliss, uh, Carrie, Carrie Russell, Felicity. Yeah, Carrie Russell. She uh, she was saying that it just really helped with the the acting, you know, to to make it easier. Yeah, yeah. Any actor says that. I've you know, I, obviously, I have no frame of reference, but any actor says like when you're there on set and you have things to play off of, and and you're in the environment, it just makes the final product seem so much more authentic and. That, and I have to say that that came across to me in such a big way 
and they the actors themselves reaffirm that when you're talking about Oscar Isaac and Carrie Russell when they have that scene on the rooftop when she's telling him to come like you want to come with me and you know I felt it tug on my heartstrings a bit there in the theater and because the actors pulled it off you know and they even said in the documentary that there was there was something a connection there you know in that scene mm-hmm. yeah for sure now, how'd you feel about, like, oh, sorry, just one more thing on that desert sequence is, you know, the the, the little kids, like the little Akiaki yeah. kids, or I don't know if they're Akiaki kids. Yeah, all Muppets. Yeah. They I, with th- the I, trenches. Thought, I thought they were either kids in costume or CG. Instead, they were puppets. And again, like they, they dug out part of the desert and built like a little place for, for puppeteers to get under the desert floor and then work these puppets. Well, it's funny you say that. You mentioned that because in my head, it just played out as a Star Wars movie. But when they show you that, it's like, oh, yeah, like my brain always knew they were Muppets. I just didn't feel like pointing it out kind of, you know what I mean? Just the way they were moving around. Yeah, they, they yeah. They it, felt, it wasn't I mean, natural. It, it was a little natural, but you could tell it was like puppeted. Yeah, I mean, they probably are augmented by CG a little bit. But man, like again, going to that extent to pull off that, and they are cute. They're a, they're a cool little moment for Ray, you know, looking on on kids having fun, something that she probably never got to have. There's that little character moment there for Ray, but again, a small fleeting thing, and the amount of work that goes into that is just brain melting. Yeah, that's that's one thing that actually kind of this documentary documentary again pointed out to me well not pointed out to me i guess i kind of registered in a way but not such a degree in the sense that yeah this festival how big it was you know it's a it's a spectacle but ray has never seen anything of the like no no any anything associated with desert for ray is like dreary sad loneliness and here is in this desert is life and color and movement and fun celebration and, like the, it's it's but the not only that it's her life has been you know as a scavenger to war right off the bat mm-hmm. and now she never knew such happiness could exist in a way it's like i never knew that so much green could exist yeah for sure well you know what, I, what one thing i loved i mean there's a lot of things i loved about this documentary i love how they kind of weaved the old stuff the ot with uh, with the sequel trilogy stuff, kind of book ending, uh, you know, the seventies and eighties with this latest trilogy, but I I do feel sad a little bit that the prequels were were completely axed out of this. Like it does make me sad, like they kind of pretend that it didn't exist in this, and so like anything that, um, like for example, like when when uh, Adam Driver was talking about his first conversations with JJ way back when before way before tfa came out and how like kylo's journey would be like the opposite of vader's but it was if you tell it say it to a fan i think you incorporate sort of the whole the whole thing with vader like you would including his prequel trilogy stuff but jj was only talking about the ot like jj just didn't really consider the prequels very much at all when it came well, to Well, that's trilogy. not true. No, I mean, I, I, didn't, I didn't say he completely ignored it. I said he, you know, to, to a, 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 a significant degree, kind of ignored it. But not completely. Like, he did no. say that his favorite prequel scene was the... Yeah, exactly. The opera scene. 
yeah, the which shows he has good is. taste. And they, but I mean, I, it's you know, I think this, they, this, the scenes quoted word for word. Oh, for sure. The, like again, it's, that's why I said he didn't completely ignore the prequels. But when it came to like arc, arcing out uh, Kylo Ren's story, it only they only used OT Vader as the the template, which I thought was kind of strange. But it is what it is. You know what's funny? Like I have this circled here. I have to mention this guy, but uh, the beginning of the documentary, we get a group of fanboys and girls, you know, at the gates, watching in Arizona. In Arizona, looking looking for Return of the Jedi glimpses of you know, and again the city built around the barge and all that. Yep. And this guy, he kind of looks like Goldberg from the Mighty Ducks. <laughs> Poor guy. Actually, he looks oh, – poor guy. <laughs> he's not doing so well. But anyhow, this guy's talking. He's just like, you know, uh, he must be – I'll say I'll give him a guy about 24, 25. And the year is probably 1982 while they're still filming. Yeah. This guy is what? In his 60s at this point. Yeah, today? Yeah, today he'd be – yeah, late 50s, maybe in his 60s. Imagine how special that is. He's a kid when this comes out, you know, and he's living it the way you lived the prequels, Kyle. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like but you, you were know a what? kid at that time. It's, and it's, he, but he knew. He, he also knew. He said, he's like, by the end, this is all said and done. I can't wait to see what you guys have in store with us with the all nine movies. Like he's saying right then, like he he's the guy that's reading that, uh, what was it, Star, the magazine. Starlog or something. Starlog, yeah. Like, you know, real pre-internet, like getting the real – getting down there and getting the information, knowing that there's eventually going to be nine movies and his excitement level the and also is, probably though, the, the disappointment is, level. Yeah, you don't – like that guy's all jazzed up about Return of the Jedi. But – and you know, and he's singing the praises of, oh, nine movies. I can't wait to see what that's like. Well, you know, he could have been one of those people – that you might say, careful what you wish for, too. Because, like, you, that guy would have been late 30s or early 40s when the prequels came out. Who knows what his reaction to those movies were? And again, with the sequels. You know, he's in his 50s, maybe 60s by that point. He could have sworn off everything. Maybe maybe he still loves everything, but he could have sworn everything off at a certain point. <laughs> no, you're right. But that, that's what I'm saying. Like, that guy at that moment in time was noteworthy. His excitement level, his dedication level. Oh, yeah, level. for sure. Yeah, it was, it was endearing. It was endearing. Yeah, exactly. I like that. You know who I loved in this documentary was the the stunt coordinator, Eunice. Yeah, she was great. Holy cow, that woman gets into it. Yeah, like she's yeah, acting she's, uh... out the role by herself. Like she's she's off camera. She's sort of like bending and twisting with the characters on as as they're performing the stunt on screen. Like she's animated, energetic. I don't mean this in a bad way whatsoever, but maybe she, she's on the spectrum in a sense. You know what I mean? Like she oh, was I think very we're all kind of on the spectrum. I agree. <laughs> I agree. I definitely do things, but uh, I, I don't know. She was. She's just focused. She, she's just a very special person. I think. A very, I agree. A singular force, if you will. Definitely special. That's for sure. You, you like know, she she knows what she wants and she's good at her job. That's for sure. We got some amazing shots. When you're hearing hearing her speak, like, do you want it like this? Or if you jump here, it's like more realistic, you know, like 
Well, the, the, one of the things I, I liked is when um, you know, she was talking about Adam Driver and how he wanted to always do his own stuff. And he's like, no, 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 I, I, I always do my own stuff. And she, and she, you know, she's like, okay, fine. Like, well, you can yeah, try she, it. Yeah, she was not, like, into it yet. No, she's not totally not, not into it because she wants it to look good. Like, it's got to look good. She, but finally she caved in. And imagine, like, you're a stunt coordinator and you're, who knows how animated these these discussions get, but she's standing in there going, no, Adam, I don't want you to do this. I want it to look good. And he's like, no, I'm, I'm doing it. Yeah, like, no, well, he, he's a method, well, not a method actor, but he's hardcore. Like, he went on to say after that, this is why I'm doing this, you know, like, he's milita- ex-military, you know what I mean? Like, this is why he loves his job, this challenge of making it look good and training for it and being ready and being in shape. Yeah, you, you know the, that, that argument that he was talking about, it, he goes, no, 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 I do my own stuff. It reminded me yeah. of, you know what it reminded me of, eh? Harrison? Whoa, whoa, whoa. I'm Kramer. <laughs> <laughs> I thought that immediately. That's immediately cute. I thought of that. But yeah, it was it was like she was she was hilarious to watch. Like to work with or for her must be super intense. But from where our, uh, from my vantage point, I loved it. She was she was entertaining uh, on her own in this documentary. Again, if Adam Driver did all his own stunts, if he did like, uh, I think they showed it the, the super jump on the Death Star. Uh, yeah, they did a lot of that. They spent a good deal of time uh, with the wire work doing the jumps. And not only that, supposedly the water was freezing. Like those actors, man, endure. That, yeah, for sure, for sure. That was probably some pretty tough days in there. And look, I don't know if any of our listeners have ever put on a Stormtrooper helmet or any helmet for that matter, including a Mandalorian helmet, whatever it is, Kylo Ren's, they're not really easy to see out of. (laughs) So there's a whole new level there too. Yeah, I mean, there's some funny business with the helmet though. I think, at least in TFA, there are scenes where I think it's CG'd on because he just didn't want to wear it because he couldn't see anything. I don't know. I think maybe the the scene where they speak to holographic gigantic um, Snoke. I could be wrong. Somebody out there who's more versed in this behind the scenes stuff might know, but I thought that scene, the helmet was sort of CG'd in. Anyway, mm-hmm. uh, like two overarching things, and like just like the movie, you know, I thought that this documentary kept uh, Daisy Ridley slash Ray kind of at the center of it. And it's one of the things I really like about Rise of Skywalker is that it, it didn't do what The Last Jedi did where, where Ryan sort of muddied things by making that dual protagonist thing. Like, Kylo Ren in this movie was bad until he meets up with... Until until Rey sticks him in the gut, right? Yep. Till that point... Or until she heals, sticks him in the gut then heals him. Yeah, like there's that metaphorical she killed Kylo Ren. And, and, you know, uh, healed Ben Solo. So, like, until that point, Kylo Ren was bad. And that's kind of what J.J. wanted the whole time. Kylo bad. <laughs> but it, it kept Ray centered in the movie. And I think Daisy Ridley and Ray was sort of, again, like a very, like, at the center of this documentary as well, which I really appreciated. I loved hearing her story and her, uh, like, her journey through this. 
yeah, her growth throughout. I think even Eunice was one saying that, you know, watching her work uh, throughout the series and seeing her, uh, you know, she was young when it started. She was what, 20, 19? Yeah. Yeah, about that. And just seeing her, you know, that's a young, that's a young age to be such a, a professional. Oh, to be thrust into like. With that kind of imagine, responsibility. That kind of responsibility. Like, like it's one thing, I guess, oh man, imagine being nine-year-old Jake Lloyd. I guess that's, that's worse. It's rough. It could be rough. Yeah. Anyway. Um, one of the things I really loved was what I thought it was heartwarming end to end is anytime they brought in Anthony Daniels and I know he can be kind of pompous and uh, a bit of a jackass at times, but I thought he had a, he had a fine touch in this documentary and in the movie, I thought three PO was fantastic. Um, but Anthony yeah, they, Daniels they really, was really nice in this one. You know, they, they made a point of mentioning why they, they put him, he had a very prominent role in this film. Huge. And, yeah. Biggest, very huge. Hope. Even more so, uh, yeah, yeah. I would say, yeah, at least a new hope's big. I mean, they start the whole film, film off. But uh, yeah, man, I was actually quite surprised and thoroughly, thoroughly uh, happy with what they accomplished with his character. You know what I mean? Like they really did him justice. And I, I can say, Kyle, he can come off as pompous at times, but not as much here. Well, some of, the, some of the old clips of him sort of like slouched in the, that chair in the 70s, early 80s, you kind of do want to slap him in the face a little bit. Yeah, I like it. You, you took the words out of my mouth. It's you kind of do want to kind of like just like stick your two fingers up his nostril and just lift him up in the chair. And <laughs> sit up, jackass. But no, it was it, it, was, it was nice. It was really nice to uh, to see him bow out like that because it was, yeah, it, it was it was uh, it was heartwarming to me. Uh, you you, know, what, what did you think about the way they handled Leia? Like the scenes in the documentary, how, how they brought that all together. Like I thought it was oof. amazing. I thought it was absolutely I, – I, I really – one thing I got like because you know, I really like film and I took a lot of film classes. I, I kind of got that the filmmakers were trying to make us understand that Billy Lord was super okay with this, that we're, that we're not tarnishing Leia or disrespecting Carrie Fisher, that – you know. Billy Lord's letting us know this. Like I, I, they pushed that agenda a little too far, but they did do the character justice. You know, they really went beyond and above in having to do what they did. Well, yeah, they did the very best they could. Yeah, exactly. Like they really looked at what they had, the footage they had, what they can do with it, how they can build things around that. Uh, it was an epic on taking man. You know, they showed JJ like, you know, we could do this, this. So they they still cut some stuff to the floor. They didn't use everything. And uh, what they used, I mean, you can tell even my girlfriend can tell watching the film for the first time that, you know, knowing that Carrie Fisher had passed, she didn't dislike it. But she said she could tell that things were written kind of around that. And that's exactly what happened. Mm hmm. That's exactly what happened. Like, here's where we're starting. This is ground zero. They get Billy Lord's permission. And here's where we're going from here. Like, they looked at everything. And speaking of that, like, when you start looking at everything in general, I've had my problems, my issues with this film 
the first time I saw it, I was very on the fence. Second time, amazing with my son. Just amazing. I can't describe it. But I still, you know, every time I get alone and I start thinking about things, I, I have issues with it. And I, I struggle with them sometimes. The whole palps thing. You know, I haven't read the novel yet. Maybe that'll clarify some stuff. But even at that, like, I shouldn't have to go there. And I'm listening to JJ and Chris Terrio talk about how the how and the why of bringing back palps and how it's cyclical and poetic and super Star Wars. You know, when you have the the legacies of both these legacy characters kind of battling it out and then Ray choosing to become a Skywalker, like it just very much sold me more on the idea, you know, of what they had to work with, where they were, you know, where they wanted to end in the long run. I think they had that kind of worked out in a way somewhat. Because it's kind of hard to somewhat, maybe (laughs) it's just so hard to believe that they'd undertake this trilogy and not have this solid, uh, somewhat bones script in place of at least the dyad. I'll say that if Mm, they had to have known about about the dyad, oh, the dyad's everything to me, man. Like, that's where it really starts to become beautiful and poetic and. You know, just the way they, they, again, started talking about it and describing it and, and what they did in the film. Uh, it just uh, – it reaffirms that, you know, I, I'm buying into it a little more now. You know what I mean? Yeah, for sure. Um, yeah, wrapping it up, um, just seeing Daisy Ridley doing those that final scene, Ray Skywalker, and, like, wiping tears from her face. Like, I don't know if that was – Let's let's do a take with Ray crying it out, or if that was Daisy sort of getting verklempt over the whole thing. Hey, either way. Like, man, but it, it made it it made the scene more poignant for me. Like I I, I I love it. I love that she claimed the name. Oh, big time. Big love time. It. Like what an F you to Palpatine. Exactly. <laughs> and it, an it's F-U. the rise of Skywalker. I mean, kind of knew something along those lines was coming. And again, it, it helps when you look at the whole bones of everything and how you're going to connect this to the prequel and the, and the original trilogy, it makes sense that this, that she takes up the mantle, right? Mm-hmm. Moving forward. Like, I don't know. I kind of didn't like that Palpatine was back in a way sometimes, but well, yeah, that just felt so sudden. But like they said, when they started talking about it in doing this, they were just like, they started like it snowballed, right? Within five minutes or a minute, I think within a minute of talking, they said, we knew this is the route we had to go down because there's yeah, just so to. much you material there. Well, you had you had to install another big bad because if you if you, if they had planned to redeem Kylo, he can't be your big bad. And it's not about that. It's to me, it's more about them being a dyad and them being both again, like these legacies of legacies. Sure. Absolutely. But again, like half of if not more of, of fandom went into this movie going out yeah, kylo's probably gonna die a good guy so who's the bad guy right like yeah you you need it and don't tell me about pride and hux no they're they, those guys don't threaten anybody no you need that force i i would have thought it could have been 
more to do with the the force being out of balance. I I thought could they thought they could have gone deeper down that hole. That's where I was kind of disappointed. Where I felt like uh, Palpatine was more a crutch to them. But you know, again, I don't want to seem biased or anything like that. But the, again, the film, this documentary helped to uh, convince me a little more of the choices they had to make and what they were working with and where they were at and why they chose to do it. And yeah. I was like, okay, you know? Yeah. I mean, I, I do. I remember when, when, when we finished watching the last Jedi and we're like, man, like it's a blank slate for JJ that, or whoever was, was taken over at that point. We're like, wow, this is like so exciting for whoever's writing the next movie. I think maybe JJ was in by that point. Uh, like they can do anything. It's, it's free and open. And it turned out being that free and open maybe isn't such a good thing. And I know people are like, what do you mean? That's stupid. Like, they could have done anything. They had to reinstall certain things. And and I, I do I do kind of uh, give some weight to the criticism that, hey, Ryan, Ryan, Ryan Johnson. Hey, dude, you know there's a third part to this trilogy, right? <laughs> like, maybe, maybe he did go a little too far in, in wiping the slate clean. Like, there was a part nine to come. Anyway, don't want to fall down that rabbit hole again. Uh, love the camaraderie on set that they had. Like, they talked about this set being super loose. Uh, and that came through. Like, John Boyega and Oscar Isaac just hamming it up nonstop. Yeah. Like, John Boyega loves the camera. Yeah, big time. He was just hamming tell. it up big time. No matter where they were doing. Like, no, what, no matter what scene they were shooting... He's just goofing off, whether it was with uh, Naomi Aki or Oscar Isaac. He's just having a great time. And everybody and was. why not? Sure. Why, why? You're doing a Star Wars movie. Why not? You're getting paid so much money to do it. And, you know, you're safe. You're fed. Like, oh, God. So good. And I love <clears throat> I love how it kind of the spotlight in this documentary was shown on everybody. Like they yep. just, it wasn't just JJ and Chris Terrio and like the heavy hitters. Like you got down deep on the roster of, of crew on this movie. Yeah. I thought McDermott, that was amazing. Uh... Well, no, like go deeper, like people doing the props, uh, you know, some audio people, like they the all whole had Eunice interesting thing. stuff to see. Yeah, for sure. Oh, one thing I thought was really important. Uh, they talked about Mark Hamill. And, and like, uh, they, it was important for them to kind of give Mark Hamill the old Luke back. And so, like, th there was, like, this comfort that kind of w was on set when Mark Hamill was back as that Luke Skywalker. You know, like, and it, and it again, speaks to that the choice made in The Last Jedi to make Luke the way he was, which I enjoyed. I probably wouldn't have done it if it was me doing the movie, but I thought it made for some really interesting storytelling. Yeah. But it, but there was like it's clear as day that Mark Hamill did not like Luke Skywalker in the Last Jedi and the choices made. Um, but yeah, there was there was a a, a real sense of comfort and like catharsis to have the the air quotes old Luke back in the in yeah. uh, the Rise of Skywalker. He seemed very involved too on set. They seemed to have, uh, while he was there, anyhow, he got the uh, the inside scoop on everything. Like well, that's, the, what, that's what he said. Like in, uh, he was saying that about his his involvement in the OT days. Is like when he's not shooting, like 
you would never find him in his in his trailer. Like he'd always be in the prop room. He'd always be seeing what what else is being shot. Like he'd never be just chilling out. Like he's he's taking everything in. And it was it was the same Mark Hamill here. He was sharing stories with everybody. It was really really cool. Anyway, loved loved this documentary. Right up there with um, the director and the Jedi and the beginning and. It was, it's fantastic stuff. If you if you can get it, definitely watch it. Yeah, highly recommend. All right, Corey, let's uh, let's wrap up the podcast here with uh, some more Ahsoka talk <laughs> from the Clone Wars season seven, episode five, Gone with the Trace. Yep. Well, so I mean the the, uh, the fortune cookie. If there is no path before you, create your own. Some sound advice. I like that. What'd you think of the episode overall? Ooh, kind of flat for me to be honest i mean it's great to see ahsoka back i mean there were some pluses in the sense that i love the coruscant underbelly uh yeah, like, the infamous level 1313 that we've heard so much about in the last several years that's just like delving deeper into the sub levels you know like i i read a one of my my first puppy love girlfriend when i was a teenager bought me this ya novel of Jason and Jaina going down into those deep levels for a, a quest, you know, and it was great. So I don't know. I think uh, her her speeder bike or whatever it is crashing as she as she's basically she doesn't know where she's going. I mean, she has no destination at this point. She's just kind of riding. Drifting. Yeah, she's drifting aimlessly, and the wills of the forest are kind of like I'm taking over. Your bike's gonna crash, and you're gonna find these people, and you're gonna make fast friends. Did you get and, uh, Did you get um, Attack of the Clones chase scene through Coruscant as she's kind of whizzing through uh, down the like the thirteen thirteen sinkhole? Uh, I got, no. I got big time vibes from the music and stuff like that. Some of the some some of the uh, sound effects. I I kind of got the, you know, when Anakin's riding at one point, you know, when she's riding through the tubes there. Mm-hmm. Whatever you want to call it, like there's a similar scene to Anakin doing the same thing, but I don't know. I, I, the episode was good, but uh, where are they going with this? I mean, it seems like classic Clone Wars. It's great Clone Wars, but you know, it's great Clone Wars if we have another season coming. <laughs> like, well, I mean, we're, we're here. We're with these these characters for another three episodes, right? So this was your classic. You know, introduction yeah we're getting reacquainted with the, with ahsoka and this is her new reality after walking out on the jedi years ago or this is i don't know there's probably a few months that have passed since she's walked out i don't know it seems very fresh at this point it seems like this is her first move like i've left the temple and this is where i'm going i guess it depends i mean we we now know that these episodes kind of jump around on the timeline right so this could be right after but if it if it chronologically follows the bad batch arc or is happening sort of at the same time it is much later because i mean if you just look at the way anakin's different his hair is all grown out you know like there, there has been some time not a lot of time but some there's definitely i, been I a... think i think it's backtracking maybe it is i mean I, I even thought ahsoka looked a little different i thought her little her is it montrals i thought those looked a little even a little bit longer than we last saw her. Her face That's looked possible. a little different. Anyway. Yeah, you're right. You're right. They they did age her a bit. I mean, I, I mean, we're talking like 
a couple of months, maybe three, four, five months, something like that. It's not a huge span of time we're talking here. But I didn't, I, I, I must, I, I never got the sense that this is like six hours after she walked out on the Jedi. This is where she's at. Well, I don't know. Like the, the main thing I'm taking out of this episode really is that, you know, she falls upon this group. She works with them. She helps them out. And in the long run, you know, they make the wrong choice. And she's like, yeah, okay, well, you guys made your choice and now I'm not sticking around. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, obviously this is going to go somewhere. I mean, we're, we've met these characters and they're – especially Rafa, right, the older sister. She is someone who mixes it up. Yeah, well, she I'll kicks tell you down doors. I mean, not not literally, but she goes and she sets up sketchy deals with sketchy people. She's probably it's going to probably be her that gets Ahsoka wrapped into something much bigger. Yeah, possibly. Or the way I see it going down is that at some point, one or both of these sisters are both guaranteed dead. You think? Oh, uh, one one or the other. Yeah. Who, one, who? one you could you could talk me into one, but I don't think I don't think both will get it. Yeah, I I kind of agree. That's a little dark. <laughs> it's a little yeah. dark to axe both. Yeah, it would probably be the the younger one. Yeah, it's always it's always the uh, innocent, the, one, yeah, the, the more innocent <laughs> one with with a better heart. Because Rafa is a bit of a she's a bit sketchy, right? Well, you know, if anything, if she's sketch. Hopefully she brings in a little Hondo. That would be nice. Well, that would blow the doors <laughs> off, right? That'd be that'd be great. Get a little action in there. That's that can get a little galactically epic as well, in the sense of involving Ahsoka into something bigger than herself. Yeah, I mean something. If if Ahsoka, what's Ahsoka's intent, right? Like that I'm not sure we we had a full clear picture of it. Look, it obviously she's trying to scrape out a living and she's trying to find a path for herself. Like the whole fortune cookie is create your own path. She's not finding it yet. So I I imagine these people will present one to her or be an opportunity for her to go down a certain path. Yeah, it seems like it, it seems like that's that's the case cuz again, by the end of the episode, you know, they they have these destroyer droids and they're basically the the sis the younger sister. What's her name? Do you remember? Trace. Trace is on Ahsoka's page and saying that we have to get yeah destroy them. Well, They're those are the, be the bi binary load lifter droids. Yeah, destroyers though too. No, they call it a destroyer droid. Droid. Well, I didn't it get like reprogrammed into something more violent. Yeah, that's it. Or they so, were prone to fits of violence or something like that. Basically. They know that they need to get scrapped. They know what they're going to get used for. And the older sister kind of doesn't betray them. But like Ahsoka by the end of it all is just like, look, I'm I'm done with you guys. Like you had your chance to prove it to me. You're, you're sketchy. Yeah, you're too sketch. Because mm -hmm. like the little sister is bought off at the end, right? And it's, they make it really clear like, well, come on, Trace. Like – Here's a few credits. Like, go buy yourself something nice. And she's like, okay. Well, she's Raph. is a, a hustler. Like, she she charged that dude like double for the droids. That's so it. She, like, like, she kind of bought herself you said, out of trouble. Yeah, she's like, you said do something smart, not the, or whatever, you know. 
Yeah, I mean, she yeah, she so she's clever that way. So I mean, she, Rafa might be sketchy, but she has a way about her that she's the one that ultimately can can you know she she'll get them in trouble, but she will also get them out of trouble. It's just I don't know, man. If we're only getting these twelve episodes, I just wished it kind of would have moved at a bit of a quicker pace. Yeah, I know. Like, we always uh, want, we want, 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 want. I know, and that's what I'm saying. I I, I realize that. It's just I'm. Uh, I'm sad that this is it, you know, and if this is it, I wish they could have really made things a little more pertinent. Like even the Bad Batch was absolutely great. Well, you know what it is really is that they're staying the course and they're not deviating from what Clone Wars is. If they want to tell a story, this is the story and they're not neglecting that. Well, I mean, especially if Ahsoka is going to be part of the can, like a big focus of, of canon for the next couple of years. This is an important piece of her story. True. Like a lot of people that are on board now, like having had uh, signed on to Disney Plus and maybe are watching this new season for the first time, saying like, okay, who's this new character? And her significance is obviously quite epic. Well, yeah, I, I saw a lot of complaints that, oh, this episode wasn't as good as the Bad Batch arc. I'm like, yeah, okay, dude, I get it. You, you, you didn't get pew pews and lightsabers. Like, and one guy on Instagram was like, yeah, but that's when we come watch Star Wars. We want, you know, we want to see blasters and lightsabers. Yeah, but you're also going to get character stories. That's also establish stuff first, like We're, create a foundation and build on it. Mm-hmm. Like have some patience, dude. Like, I don't, I don't think Star Wars fans learn very well. We, we, you know, it's the same thing over and over. It's like, let a story play out before you start throwing fits. Like, why is Ray so powerful? Maybe wait till the end. If you don't have a good reason by the end of it, throw a fit. But just wait. And the same story here. Like, just just wait. There's Let's see where the story goes. And I get it. Like, this story wasn't, like, didn't, it wasn't a barn burner of an episode. But it was laying groundwork for where, where, where this arc is going and where this character is going. Not just in this series, but, you know, in, into larger places in canon. So yeah, well, I mean, we'll have to see. It, you know, it wasn't my favorite episode of all time, but I thought it was good. And I was just happy, happy enough to see Snippy again. Snips. Yeah. There was that great moment, though. Like, she's, you know, she's down on that platform and she sees, like, that cruiser kind of lifting up towards the upper levels where she's typically from. And you hear the Force theme playing in the background. I agree. And it's just, like, that obvious reminder of the life she used to have. That was, you know, I thought that was a great moment. Yeah, she got burned, man. Yeah, she well, she got she got burned pretty bad. Yeah, yeah, pretty bad. Yeah, pretty bad. Um, but she, it was nice to see her open that can of whoop ass on those thugs. I like how it had to come to that where Trace is like, okay, like now you can get involved. Yeah, you got skills, but like I, I that, that was like a non-force powered fight. Like she was just using her skills. Almost. I, I think it almost takes a force user to do what she did because I was really intent on watching her moves. Like I even rewatched the episode before coming on mm-hmm. on my phone and like like a gymnast almost, you know, like that, that, like it's crazy. It's crazy what she does. Yeah, but it's like, not like she wasn't like she wasn't like using the force to like send the guy 30 feet through the air. No, that's what I mean. She, like she, it was just like she, it was that was her physicality. Well, again, I. This is something we got to point out as well. Um, she's making it a point to 
as a part of her new identity to not advise anyone as to her force powers. She gets busted once when that uh, destroyer droid is falling off the side. She tries to put the winch. She, she acts so quickly, man. Like well, she's I think got that, the. Like, well, like anyway, I know what you mean though, because like like this episode is kind of full of moments where you ask yourself, like, well, why didn't she just use the force here? And there's a point. Like she's not. She's trying not to use the force. Exactly. Like they're trying to convey that to the audience as well. She's. That's forging a new life and she's keeping that i past and identity a secret yeah i mean and, and that is shades of like every other jedi who survived order 66 and went into hiding i, I know order 66 hasn't happened yet but kenobi uh, it's a wise move it's a very wise move yeah you don't want to draw years. attention to yourself yeah kanan um cal kestis like, these are all guys that former jedi that sort of just say i can't I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna use the force. I'm not gonna be in touch with it. I'm just gonna put that away. And Ahsoka's in the same spot <laughs> until, like you said, like she gets to the, to the part where uh, Trace is on the back of the droid. It's about to slip off uh, the cliff. And it sucks too, though, because as the viewer, it's like, oh, dude, she's gonna pull this off without having had to use the force with the winch and stuff, just because she, her war instincts, you know, her true battle instincts kicked in. But yeah, like, I wonder enough. if she like I, I need to watch it again, um, just to see like she attaches the winch, and then she starts trying to pull up the droid, and then she kind of gives it an assist with the force, and there's that Rodian kid who kind of looks over and goes, oh, like yeah, he notices for sure. And exactly. I wonder if that Busted. little kid comes around and and rats out Ahsoka at some point. I hope not. I, I think it was just to. meant to. I think it's meant to reiterate to the to the audience that this is a secret. Yeah, yeah, you're probably right because I don't. Yeah, I don't think a big enough deal was made of the kid because we never see him again. So, like, if you know, if we visited that kid a couple of times in, in the episode, I might. You could talk me into like that kid's gonna rat out Ahsoka at some point. Hey, I, I, there is a Force user. That's her over there. She's with the, uh, with the Martez girls. And then, of course, the house comes down on Ahsoka, but um, yeah, I thought uh, you know I I I. I, I thought like ahsoka was trying to cleverly hide her using the force by just letting that winch do most of the work but then it just didn't so yeah it was cool though it's cool i i, I was like i say i was thrilled with the episode but i i quite enjoyed it again i was just happy enough to be with ahsoka again exactly like any star wars is good star wars it's like pizza and sex you know what i mean Whoa! Right, yeah, I suppose. Uh, all right, all right. There you go. But there, there was that. You know that scene with uh, those droids where Ahsoka gets into action against those droids, and she says something to the effect of, "Oh, I like, I know what to do," or like, "I, I remember this," or something like that. And there was like that click moment for me. Do you remember that part? Not really. Like when when she's talking about like having to press the blue button. Oh yeah, yeah. yeah. Like there's a part before that where Ahsoka's like, oh yeah, like the light light bulb goes on for her, as and she realizes what she has to do to stop it, and that like that was a moment for me where I'm like, oh I know what this is, I know where she got that from, because Star Wars does that, like they plant seeds. But if you go back and watch some of those Forces of Destiny episodes, like those shorts, there's an episode where uh, Ahsoka battles load lifter droids, and that's and that is presumably where she learns. 
uh, you know, how to turn how to deactivate them. Cool. So yeah, go check go check that out. If uh, you know Star Wars fans love their backstory, how does she know how to do that? There's an episode to explain it, and it's two minutes long. <laughs> anyway, uh, that is it for this week, I suppose. Anything else you want to say about that episode? No, again, like I don't want to be disappointed. I love all Star Wars. I wish it was a little more uh, uh, poignant. But again, got to establish some base. Let them do their thing. I trust them, and I just can't wait to see more. Yeah, for sure. I mean, we're 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 with Ahsoka now until the end of this series, right? And we're at we're through five episodes. We're almost halfway. Like next week, we're halfway there. At the end of this week, we're halfway through the final series. <sighs> Crazy, but we're with Ahsoka until the end now, which has me very very happy. Yeah. Um. Okay. Cool. Uh. That'll do it for. Clone Wars. That'll do it for this episode of the podcast, everybody. Uh, hope you enjoyed it. Uh, I, as always, I had a blast talking about it. Uh, if you want to get involved, you can let us know what you think of this episode by sending us an email to tumblingsaber at gmail.com. Um, what else we got? Uh, we got to thank Rob Wade for endorsing this episode of the podcast as part of the E14 endorsed program. You can learn more about that and all the podcasts under the E14 endorsed umbrella by visiting emotionally14.com. And don't forget to check out our pals at the Star Wars Commonwealth Podcast Network. We've got all kinds of podcasts, everybody doing their own little thing, exploring Star Wars in their own unique way. So go check that out, starwarscommonwealth.com. You can check out our group on Facebook or follow us on Twitter. Or look us up on iTunes. You can find us as a podcast provider there. Uh, so that's going to do it. Uh, Carlos is not here this week, obviously, but you can find him at C Candido Music on the old Twitter machine. You can find him in our Facebook group. And you can find Carlos in all kinds of places. Go check out his music. Go check out uh, his, his The Funny Carlos Twitter account as well. Uh, Carlos is all over the place. Go check him out, and we'll catch up with him again soon. Uh, Corey, where can we find you on social media? Well, guys... Just want to first and foremost say, you know, just love one another a little harder this week, man. Everybody's got to be cool, stay cool, stay positive. We got this. But do it we from got, home. Do yeah, it from, from home. home. Yeah. We, we got you here from the Tumbling Saber. Anybody, anybody reach out to me anytime, man, on social media, especially on Twitter at Chop Rules with a Z, if not, like Kyle said, in our closed, cozy, and comfy Facebook group. It's like a warm blanket. Star Wars fun. Yeah, and everybody, again, uh, tumultuous times. Let's just uh, keep it real, like I said last week, and uh, stay positive and be there for one another, man. Absolutely. Absolutely. Uh, you can find me at Tumbling Saber on Twitter, on on Instagram, and in the closed Facebook group. Uh, come check it out. Come knock on the door. We'll let you right in, and we can we can discuss Star Wars all the live long day. Uh, but that's going to do it for this week, everybody. As Corey said, take care of each other from a distance. Keep your hands clean. Keep Don't touch your face. Uh, stay cool. And uh, thank you for listening to this episode of the podcast. And until next time, everybody, may the Force be with you.
pathetic draws me closer to your place willing me through my dreams fall away signs blindly to the lions on your face beating strong drifting not relive this dream over and over and over again please don't leave my heart broken bleeding don't believe it don't believe it breathing if only to see you next to me sleeping soundly smiling not really this dream over and over Why you running? Why you running away? 